You may be one of those people that struggles from time to time with the question of, am, am I truly saved? And so if you are, I think this would really be helpful for you today to think afresh and perhaps anew about this particular subject, about whether I'm saved and how can I know if I'm saved. So open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to pick up with verse 14. I've had over the years several people in congregations that I've preached at uh, that have really struggled with this question. I, I think it's an important one, obviously, and, and I don't want to give anyone any false hope, but I want to say that if you're truly saved, you need to move way beyond this particular question. If you're not, then you need to be saved so you can move beyond this question about how do I know if I'm truly saved? Now, I'm obviously coming from the premise that you can know, right? So I've already, I've already allowed the Bible to settle that. The Bible says that we can know that we have passed from death unto life. So we can know that we're saved. I always say, what is the, what, do you ever ask a, a, a man if he's married or a woman if they're married? And they say, well, I'm just not really sure. That would be a, quite a bizarre answer, wouldn't it? Especially if your spouse was standing next to you at the time. So therefore, I think if we can know those kinds of basic answers, the basic questions, I know whether I'm married, I know where I live, I mean, I, I know whether I went to school or not, I know whether I graduated or not, or just these kind of basic questions, where I go to church, I know that. Where do I live? I generally know that. Amen. And uh, I even know my social security number and my date of birth and uh, everything, even though somebody here didn't know it the other day, and uh, they'll go nameless. But anyway, I know, these, I know these basic questions, the answers to these basic questions. And so when I come to this question of how, can I, how do I know if I'm truly saved, I'm assuming that based upon my reading of the scripture that you can know. That you can know, as the Bible says, that you pass from death unto life. And uh, so I want to I tell you kind of how I've dealt with this in the past and how I began to realize a better way of dealing with it. And we're going to deal with that today, okay? So I'm just going to tell you how, how have I dealt with this in the past. Well, if someone comes to me and says, how do I know if I'm truly saved? Usually I'll say, well, let's spend a little bit of time and, and let's talk about this. And, and so I'll ask them a series of questions. And questions like, well, uh, was there a time in your life where you realized that you were lost and, and uh, that you were a sinner and that you needed Jesus as your Savior? And then what did you do? And uh, something like, well, I asked God to forgive me of my sin and I asked Jesus to come into my life and to be my Savior. And uh, then uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the answers to those questions and what the implications of those are and what the Bible says about that. Now, that is one approach, and it's not a bad approach. Uh, it's an important approach uh, because we do repent of our sins and, and we do receive Christ as our Savior. We do realize that Jesus died to, to forgive us and to release us from the penalty of sin. 
And those, that is an important series of questions that need to be answered. But I believe today I'm on to something better. Can I, can I say that? I'm on to something better because the problem with that approach is, is that that makes us look way back into the past and to consider what our heart's condition was at the time. Now, I'm not saying, by the way, that you can't have real confidence and if you were saved at seven or eight or nine or 10 or 11, you, that you can't have real confidence in that because it's possible that you can. But here, here's the problem with that pro approach is that, you know, it's hard for us to remember what happened yesterday, much less uh, 30 or 40 or 50 years ago. And it does beg the question, does it not, what in the world has been going on since? And that's what I want to talk about today. Can I say it this way? What in the world has been going on since? So therefore, if you, if you were saved at some point in your life, I believe that the Bible says that these things will be occurring. In Well, let me say it this way. These things cannot be occurring unless you're saved. Okay? I'm going to give you some things today that unless you're saved, these things cannot be occurring. They will not be occurring. Okay? So that's my way of saying to you, if these things are occurring in your life today, that indicates from Scripture that you have been born again and you have come out of death unto life and that Jesus is truly your Lord and Savior. Now, having said that, it's possible that you could be saved and these things not be occurring because you could be way behind on what Vance Havner said years ago when after a service a lady came up and criticized him, I think, for what he had said. And he said this, I'm sorry that I'm way behind on my sanctification. Now, I've introduced another word, and I understand what it's like when you go to church, and even if you've been here for years, and even if you've heard that word, you think, what in the world has he introduced here? A big old word that I have no idea what he's talking about. Well, let me tell you this. Sanctification is really not that complicated. Sanctification is the instantaneous act and the process as well, whereby you are being made to be like Jesus. Did you hear me? That's not complicated. Now I could give you, a, and Wednesday night I introduced this subject so some of you are way ahead of others. And that is, I introduced this to you by giving you a really long definition of sanctification. Remember that? And I said, but some of you want a rather short, briefer definition of sanctification. And it is this. Instantaneously when you are saved, God sanctifies you or sets you apart. You've been set apart. If you're saved, You've been set apart. You're not like anyone else. Stop trying to be like everybody else. Did, did you hear that? You are not like anybody else. Stop trying to be like everybody else because you're not. And the Holy Spirit's not going to permit that in your life. And when you do, He is going to wear you out because you have been saved and you have been set apart. And especially our young people, I know what peer pressure is. You want to fit in with everybody. Well, stop that. Stop that because you're not like anybody else. You have been set apart. You've been bought with a price. You are different. You are different. Now, that is instantaneously occurring when you're saved. However, 
This is the however to that. It is also a process whereby we participate with the Holy Spirit, not in our salvation, but in our sanctification. There are things that we could be doing and we should be doing in order to become more like Jesus. Can you understand that? When we're saved, the Holy Spirit sets us apart for the sole purpose of making us like Jesus. And there is a process whereby we are becoming more like Jesus. So what am I saying? I'm saying this. If, if, you, if you can look at your life today and say, these things are operating in my life, then I'm going to tell you this. You have to be saved. These things wouldn't be operating in your life. You would have no interest in these things unless you're saved. I've spoken to atheists and agnostics and all kinds of different folks in my life. And listen, none of this that I'm about to talk about today is operating in their life. They have no interest in this. They have no interest in this. They have a, they have a completely different way of thinking. So if you're saved today, if you're saved today and these things are not operating in your life, then that simply means to me that you're way behind in your sanctification. You've either not been in church, you're not going to Bible studies like you should, and I know some of you aren't because you're not here when I'm doing them. So I already know that, and I know I'm not the only Bible teacher in America. I understand that. So there are others, but I'm just telling you that I know, I know we're not all where we need to be, including me. So I could be farther along in my sanctification. I know you could be as well, so there's no need us trying to fool each other this morning. But the things I'm going to share with you today, the things I'm going to share with you today, if you say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's me, yeah, that's me, yeah, that's me, yeah, that's me, and I'm not simply trying to reduce it down to a checklist, but I'm going to tell you, if these things are operating in your life that I'm going to speak of today, you have to be a Christian because these things would not be operating in your life. There are people that are unsaved that are kind. There are people that are unsaved that are generous. There are people that are unsaved that are loyal. There are people that are unsaved that are truthful. I'm not talking about those things. I'm going to give you some things from the Word of God this morning that will tell you, yeah, yeah, these things wouldn't be happening unless I'm saved. However, keep in mind, keep in mind that you could be saved today and these things not be happening. I hope that's not confusing to you. I don't think I'm saying it in a confused way. I don't mean to if I am. If, I, if it sounds confusing to you, you just got to listen a little faster, I think, this morning. Because I'm not trying to be confusing at all. You see, what I'm saying is, is that if you say, yeah, these things are operating in my life, they have, that has to be evidence the Holy Spirit is living in you. Do you get that? Stop right there. If these things are operating in your life, that's the Holy Spirit working in you. Stop right there. That means that you have passed from death unto life, that you are truly saved. If these things are not happening in your life, that does not mean that you're not saved, though. It could mean you're just way behind on your sanctification and you have not been serious about your Christian walk. That's entirely possible. But I'm going to tell you, too, it could mean you're just absolutely not saved. Because, because unsaved people are not going to do these things. Unsaved people are not going to do these things. Uh, and sometimes when I preach, I hear, I get, a, I get feedback. You know what feedback is? You, you don't think preachers get, feed, preachers get feedback all the time, not just from 
uh, not just from the internet, but we get feedback all the time where somebody will come to me and say, well, you know, I, after you preached that sermon on this subject, the person said, well, I don't feel like we have to do that. That's feedback, isn't it? That's feedback. So when I fail to prove in the Word of God that we need to do something, you be sure and give me feedback on it because I'm happy to have it. Uh, I'm not perfect and I know it and I want to I want to be right on with Scripture. Okay. Now, we're in chapter uh, 2, right, of 1 Corinthians. And we want to pick up in verse 14. Now, it says the natural person. Now, this just, just, just put in there the unsaved person. Okay? The unsaved person. The natural person. The person who's not in Christ. The person who does not have the Holy Spirit working in them, what does it say? That person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Okay? So sometimes when I have folks rebutting me, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying, I don't want you to think I'm overly sensitive because it sounds like I'm being somewhat argumentative and I don't really mean to be. Maybe I just smile as I'm saying it. Uh, I'm not really meaning to be tough on this. It sometimes means that i got some unsafe folks. I just got some unsafe folks speaking to me through other people. But sometimes it can mean I just have a person who's lazy, who's really lazy. And we can all be lazy, amen? I know what laziness is. Just lazy on my sanctification. I'm not doing what I need to do to get where I need to be, amen? We're all guilty of that. Let's just get over it and relax here uh, and not be stressed by that. We are all guilty of that. I'm not where I need to be. I need to be over there and I'm over here. This needs to be shut and this is talking. I know that I'm not where I need to be. So no need you saying, well, he's not where he needs to be. That's right, I'm not where I need to be. And neither are you. And so that's what we're saying this morning. So the natural, the unsaved person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. Tell somebody that's unsaved they need to be tithing. Why do you think Christians get on me when I say it? Because they're not where they need to be. That's right. They're not where they need to be. And why do you think other folks are saying it? Because they're lost. That's why. And it's foolishness to them. Listen, Christians do a lot of things that are foolish to folks. And, 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 and let me tell you why you're seeing that more than ever. Is that a, can you agree with me that you're hearing and looking at our popular culture today and saying, you know what? Some things are going on today that weren't going on a few years ago. Now, here, here's part of the reason. This is not all there is to it, but this is part of the reason. It's because we're no longer culturally Christian. You see, Grandma and Grandpa weren't necessarily saved, but Grandma and Grandpa lived moral lives because that was what was acceptable in the culture. You see, my, I have no idea where my Grandpa is today, whether he's in heaven or hell. I hope he's in heaven. But this guy was a moral guy. He was a moral man. But he had no confession or profession. Maybe he saved. But I have no idea. 
Because he never, he never said a thing about God. He never attended church at any moment that I'm aware of. And these were none of these things were operating in his life, you see. But they were culturally, they were moral. The culture pressured them to be moral. There were things you did and there were things you didn't do. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? Did you know you can watch an old movie with Cary Grant in it? That next thing you know, that guy's going to church and praising God. That was, the, that was the moral tone of the culture of the time 50 or 60 years ago. That is no longer in play anymore. You can live any way you want. You can do anything you want. In fact, we celebrate sin today more than we do morality, do we not? We celebrate immorality more than we do morality today. Well, I won't belabor that. So... This is the unsaved person. The, the, the unsaved person looks at what we do and says, well, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You go to a church for 40 or 45 minutes, a bald-headed man stands up and he hollers at you. Why would I? <laughs> what in the world? I don't want to do that. That's ridiculous. They play some old songs and they look like they come out of the graveyard. You know, I don't want to do that. I want to go somewhere where it's hopping and hipping and dee. Sure, sure, absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus set it up where true, authentic followers of Him would exist, but they wouldn't fit in with the way the fish are swimming. Is it the salmon that swim upstream? Well, we are swimming upstream, that's for sure. So, anyway, for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You see that? Spiritually discerned. Now, how in the world can you spiritually discern something if you don't have the Spirit living in you? And therefore, how do I get the Spirit living in me? Well, I get this Holy Spirit living in me by conversion. When I'm saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live in me and therefore things began to make sense. They, you know, people, listen, I don't, 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 please don't take this the wrong way. This is not meant to sound as it may sound. I don't mean it harshly at all. I do not. I'm not a harsh person. I am, it does, it does matter to me what God says and so I have to be faithful, but I, I don't see myself as a harsh person. But, but when people say to me, I read the Bible and I don't understand, understand a thing it says, I'm thinking, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking they don't have the Holy Spirit living in them. Now, by the way, are there things in the Bible I don't understand? Amen. Yes. Are there things in the Bible that it's, it's taken me years to understand? Yes. Have I had to avail myself to, to better minds than myself to understand them? Yes. All these things are true. But if you say, I don't understand one thing about it, that's a problem. Because you can understand something because the Holy Spirit is living in you. And so it says the spiritual person judges all things but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understand the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And then there's this little statement. There's this little statement and it couldn't get more profound than this. I want you to see this. Is this not amazing? Look at what Paul says. 
But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ. How y'all doing on your sanctification? You got the mind of Christ. You got the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. But we have the mind. He didn't say we might have. He didn't say we used to have. He didn't say we someday shall have. He said we have the mind of Christ. Okay. So I'm going to now move into what I would suggest to you this morning on my basis of reading of Scripture. It's rather than us going back and saying, well, did you repent of your sins when you were 9, 10, or 11? That's important. Okay. You know, Sin is something we should repent of, ask God for forgiveness, turn from our sin, turn our lives over to Him. Rather than me saying, do you believe, did you believe at some point in your life that Jesus rose from the dead and that, that He died on the cross for you? Rather than me saying those things, let me, let me just ask you a series of questions about where you are right now. Because where you are right now probably indicates where you come from. How many of you know I'm a griffin? Do any of you know that I didn't choose to be a griffin? Do, you, do most of you know that I didn't become a griffin last year? I saw, I saw myself the other day, and guess who I saw? My dad. No, I saw my dad. I hadn't seen Grandpa yet. He's coming. And it's been that way because of birth. So I'm just saying to you that if you're spiritually born again, there ought to be some griffins in you. Right? Okay, so let's, let me give you what they are this morning. There's more, but I'm going to give you a few. When you sin, it's going to indicate whether you're saved or not. Well, what do I mean by that? You, did some of you think that when you get saved, you'll never sin anymore? Well, if you did, you're really in trouble. I don't know what delusion you're living under. Uh, uh, you're in the wrong church for sure. You need to join another assembly. There is an assembly that teaches that you can reach the point of the second blessing, whatever that is, and after that, you don't sin anymore. I've never met the second blessing folks in reality. I've met the second blessing folks verbally, you see. Because as long as I'm in flesh and blood, I'm going to sin. But when you are truly saved, when you sin, you don't celebrate it. You confess it and you grieve over it. An unsaved person will not do that. Now, an unsaved person might go, you know, I shouldn't have done that because it's affected my family or I feel bad because this person thought this or that. They might think that. But I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the kind of grieving that the Bible speaks of concerning the Holy Spirit who's indwelling the, us. And we are now no longer going to the temple of God, right? We are the temple of God. Did you get me? You really can't go to the temple. You are the temple. So the temple, when it sins, 
feels conviction and sorrow for that sin. And the Bible describes it this way. If you can just sin willfully without any thought, then the question is, is does the Holy Spirit truly live in you? Because He is pushing you toward, and we use the word He uh, simply because the Bible does. He is pushing you toward holiness. Are you with me? Is that not right? You think an unsaved person feels conviction? Not at all. For the most part, an unsaved person goes, did I get caught? No, I did not. An unsaved person goes, well, did it, did it help me in my career? In fact, a recent study said uh, among college graduates, if you could tell a lie and it would help you get a better position in the company, would you do it? Let me just ask you, what do you think the survey showed on a 50, 50, right, just in, let's just do it the dividing mark, 50. Let's say 50 and above said that if they told a lie, they wouldn't do it, even if it got them a promotion in their career. And then below 50, those are the folks that said, yeah, I would tell a lie if it got me a promotion in my career. What do you think college graduates said? Was it above 50 or was it below 50? It was way above 50. one of those people that still thinks a lie is wrong because God says so and because the Holy Spirit living in me says so I remember in college we had those little situation ethics classes all the time where they'd set up some sort of goofy straw man you know professors do that I can say that because I'm older than they are now and and so they set up some little goofy idea and the kids just bowed before it you know if you had to do this in order to accomplish this would you do that and so they unnerve you on your morality and then that once they've destroyed your foundation, you can be just as immoral as everybody else and get away with it and feel good about it. But there are absolutes. You may have not read the Ten Commandments. Try reading them. They're not suggestions, by the way. So just because man can see a way to get beyond God's rules doesn't make them right. Having said that, when you sin, you're under conviction. Is that not right? I think that's right. I think a saved person, a saved person grieves over his, Listen, if you're grieving over your sin today and asking the question, well, because I sinned, does that mean I'm unsaved? No. If you can sin without grieving, that means you're unsaved. You follow me? Is that clear? I've been asked that this week. Think about it. Think with me on it. Think seriously on me, as a preacher once said. We're all very smart people, right? So if you can sin without any sort of grief, then that means to me the Holy Spirit is not living inside of you. What is it people say? You know how I am. Nobody's perfect. Don't say that junk. Because the Holy Spirit is pushing you toward what? Being like Christ. We just read the mind of Christ. How can you have the mind of Christ if you're not more like Christ? Now, I just want to tell you this, if you are with me on this. It is also true that whenever you hear truths and righteousness being proclaimed, because Satan still sometimes has a little bit of a claim on us, that we'll hear that to the contrary voice of, well, I don't know about that. That's true. Okay. 
I don't explain it away. I, I don't try to say, well, you know how I am. Uh, you know, uh, you live with somebody, you're married to somebody who's doing the same thing 40 years later they were doing the day you married them. And I shouldn't have used 40 because we have a couple over here celebrating their anniversary. Uh, so anyway, and I think they've been married 40 years. Is that right? So I apologize for that. that was just, it was just back there somewhere and it just came out. But the point of it is, is, yeah, I know you're like you were 40 years ago, but I'd like for you to be a little different. Right? So we can say all that we want to. Let me give you the second one, and this is going to come to the old me moment. And this is what God is really trying to do in me, and I bless him, bless God for that. Is, is when, when, I'm, when I'm saved... I'm going to see some changes in my vocabulary when I use it and how I use it. That's just basic. And I'm not talking about cussing. I'm just basically talking about grumbling and complaining all the time. We ought to all get convicted about that. We may, you may not be like that. That's awesome. Great. Good for you. Could you teach a class? Because the hardest thing for a small church to do is it gets smaller, is for us to continually love each other and forgive each other for our shortcomings, our failures, our sin, and to not be a grumbling and complaining people. Yeah, there's not a hundred here, but they could only be two here today. There's a lot of things that go through our mind. And so what I'm also suggesting is, is that when the Holy Spirit is at work, at work in us, now listen to me carefully, because we all need a little work. Right? Amen? Amen? Just speak for yourself, Brother Stan. Okay, I'll well, speak for me. We could all use a little work. I could use a little work. Okay. So on the tongue, James said, this tongue's a tough one. Did he not? I'm just paraphrasing him here. He said, no man can bridle the tongue. You see a little bridle. You put that little tiny bridle in the horse's mouth. I'm not a horse. But you just put that little tiny bridle in its mouth and move to the left and it'll move to the right. That little tiny mouth controls the person. And when we're saved, do you feel conviction about what you said and when you said it? Do you feel conviction when you go, you know, I shouldn't have said that. It was the truth, but it wasn't appropriate. Now, don't misunderstand me. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with the truth. It just means that timing is everything because that's what Jesus did. Amen. It means that the same spirit that gives us the truth is the one who gives us the timing on the truth. Number three, I need to pray like a body needs water. We can all admit that prayer may be a difficult experience for us, but I will say this. As the Holy Spirit is working on us, prayer is not just when I go to the hospital and somebody's sick. It's not just when I've got a phone call there's been a car wreck. These things are important. But prayer becomes the lifeblood of me. Jesus who went awake in a mount, to a mountain to pray. 
Jesus who withdrew to pray in communion with the Father, that same kind of thing is occurring in me. I don't have to be made to pray. I would have to be made not to pray. I looked this up. Do you know how long that you can live? You want to laugh a little bit? Y'all need, need a brief laugh? Somebody told me this the other day. Maybe even laugh about this. Somebody said uh, uh, they were asked the question, do you wake up grouchy in the morning? And the guy said, no, I usually let her sleep. I didn't get much out of that. All right, so, so I looked this up. So how long can you live without water? Three to four days. How long can you live without food? <laughs> I heard somebody say three to four minutes. <laughs> three to four weeks. Three to four weeks. Probably longer. Amen. I didn't say nothing. I didn't say nothing. You did your own stuff. You lived alone. But here, here's the point of that. Prayer is like that water. I can't live without it. Without communion with God. You think unsaved people pray? They absolutely do pray when there's a need. They do. When I was chaplain at the hospital, unsaved people, I'd come in and say, would it be okay if I come in and pray with you? Man, they would let you. They loved it. They appreciated it. But also keep in mind that that's asking God to do something for them. That's not them saying, I will do what God wants me to do for Him. That's much different. But prayer is... To me, like the body needs water. The fourth one is the word too. The word also. The word of God also is something that I cannot live without. The Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I find myself going to the car after a four o'clock service and I turn on a a preacher that I like to listen to or sometimes I just listen to the word being spoken because you're not supposed to read while you're driving down the highway right and and, and just because I just I'm still craving it now I'm not saying that it's true all the time for me it's really not but I know that I've been saved I'm not talking about the nine-year-old because I'm telling you, I'm not talking about when I repented of my sins and trusted Christ and all that. And I'm not struggling with the question of whether I was saved when I was 9, 13, 16, 18, or 20. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that an unsaved person doesn't crave the Word. You hear that? How many unsaved people open up their Bible? None of them. Or if they do, they're like the atheist I listened to not long ago and debating a Christian. He knew the Bible as well as anybody and he just was learning it so he could point out all the flaws in his mind in it. So, Why do you even care, right? That's my question. 
Why does an atheist care if the Bible's flawed? Have you ever asked that question? When's the last time you got a science book from the eighth grade and poured through it to see how flawed it was? Why do you why does an atheist do that? Huh? Something in him isn't ever hurt. Alright, number five, and this is the last one that that how how can I know that I'm saved? We manifest the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Let me give you what the fruit. It's not fruits. Uh, it's not fruits like apples, oranges, pears, and nectarines. It is fruit singular. Fruit. Fruit that is that is that when you dissect it, it has more than one component to it, if you will. And so here is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. Now, can I say something to you? And I know this goes beyond these walls, and I want to be careful because I don't want to say something that can be misused. But I can tell you right now that why I don't get caught up in some of the things that are going on in our country and the world today is because they don't manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Listen to that. Love, joy, peace. You think I should be out there doing some of the things the world's doing? Burning and looting. Act like a fool. Oops, this thing's going out. I should have been careful. Because unless I can manifest the fruit of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit is doing in me, I don't want no part of it. I don't want to be a part of that. I ain't got time for that. So therefore, do you have some sense of what I tried to say to you today? I'm not... I'm, I don't need to go back to 68, 72, 76, 83. I, I, don't, I don't need to do that. What I need to do is to say, okay, Stan, where are you at right now? Well, by the way, I got my name tag on. Uh, okay, Stan, where are you? Where are you? Is there any evidence in your life based upon the scripture that you are truly a child of God? And if the answer to that is yes, then I'm going to say I am a child of God. If there's no evidence, I'm going to say it's entirely possible I'm not. You understand? Now, I could be, and I just haven't grown in him. And I've wandered in the wilderness for many, many years. And that, too, is a spiritual issue that I need to get straightened out. But it's not about salvation. Now, let me say this finally. To those people who never feel like they're saved, you will never feel like you're saved if you are not following what God is telling you to do. Because He only gives comfort to those who are afflicted by the Holy Spirit. And there is no comfort to those who are not being afflicted. Which is another way of saying that if you're not seeking after him and his will for your life, you will never feel any comfort. Never. Security is something you feel 
when he's doing this in you. Now, did you hear me say, I know I'm saved because I'm a good person? <laughs> you didn't hear that at all, did you? Did you hear me say, did, did you hear me say, I know I'm saved because I go to church every week? No, I didn't say that. You made that up. Watch this over again. I didn't say that. Did you hear, did you hear me say, I know I'm saved because I'm good looking? I should have said that. Yeah, but you, you, what you heard me say is, is the Holy Spirit is doing these things in my life, and I know that nobody else would be doing these things. Is that fair? Amen. Who else would be doing them other than God? Let's bow together. If you're not clear on whether you're saved today, and we're going to have an invitation, you can come and say, Brother Stan, I'm not, I'm not sure about whether I'm saved or not. You come up, take me by the hand, and we will talk more about this. And it may be that you do need to receive Jesus that you never have. It could mean that things are beyond that, but you are concerned about the fact that there has not been this work of the Spirit in your life. And so you want to talk more about that. And we can do that. That's what I live to do. <clears throat> Listen, if you need to know more, you need to know more. And I'll tell you all I know. Father, bless this invitation for your glory. Bless us, Lord. Bless the word as it goes forth for those who will watch this and for those that will hear this. Lord, that they would come and trust you as the only sufficient sacrifice for their sin. And they would give their lives completely to you. We pray this in Jesus' name.